From Wyoming Public Media, this is Human Nature. Real stories where humans and our habitat meet. I'm Megan Fury. This time, after months of isolation during the pandemic, one family decides to through-hike a 272-mile trail for the very first time. We all start screaming like, Pasha, grab something, grab something. And he's just tumble, tumble, tumble. Allison Korn moved to Washington, D.C. when she was two. I grew up in the city, and really the city was all I knew. So I think I always had this idea that I loved nature, and I did, but I didn't really get a lot of exposure to it. In college, she moved around a lot. Eventually, she met Marco, and they decided to get married. Marco is from Ecuador, and the two decided to move there for a while. They stayed for 10 years and had two boys, Asha and Lucas. In 2014, the family decided to move back to the States. They chose Brattleboro, Vermont, and have been there ever since. When I first moved to Ecuador, I was like, I have no plans on ever returning to the U.S. (laughs) And then, you know, we moved to Vermont, which is, in my opinion, kind of unlike (laughs) most places in the U.S., We live in this little town that is just an incredible community, and so we felt really welcomed, and it's a small town, but there's so much to do, so we never really felt that culture shock that sometimes happens. Brattleboro is small, just over 12,000 people. It's about 100 miles northwest of Boston and sits in the Connecticut River Valley. It's beautiful surrounded by rolling hills and green mountains. And like most towns, it shut down when the pandemic hit. Allison, her husband, and their two boys found themselves, like a lot of people, stuck inside. And COVID hit them hard. They lost six family members to it. It was a stark reminder to appreciate what they had and live life to the fullest. The family decided to look for something fun they could do together that would get them out of the house. Once the pandemic hit, we started day hiking about once a week. So every weekend we would choose a mountain to hike and it became kind of this ritual. They really liked it. Even the family dog Mashi joined in. Allison and Marco started wondering if the family could tackle something bigger. So after some research, they settled on the Long Trail. It's a 272-mile trail that follows the Green Mountains from the Massachusetts-Vermont line to the Canadian border. They estimated it would take them about a month to complete. Marco works in education, and Allison is a self-employed jeweler. So they decided to go the following summer. It was November 2020, so it gave them plenty of time to prepare. With a skeleton plan in place, they floated the idea by their kids. My oldest was like, no way. I'm going to miss my whole summer. And I was like, well, what would you be doing anyway? Because it was COVID. Like, there wasn't a lot of stuff to be done, right? There was a little bit of bribery involved. We we said, okay, this is what we're doing. We're going to do this. But as a reward, we'll get an iPad at the end of the hike. So we thought, okay, this is reasonable. They're going to do a really hard thing. We can get them something to kind of reward them. 
once we said that, they were like, all right, let's go. <laughs> At the time, Asha was eight and Lucas was 12. Allison and Marco researched other families who had through-hiked with kids, and it made them more confident. The family did training hikes on the weekends and stockpiled supplies. Allison even found two small outdoor companies willing to sponsor them and supply them with some gear. Yeah, we want to support you. We like your story and we want to see more families and multicultural families because that's not what you see really in catalogs and magazines. Then suddenly, after months of planning, the day had finally come. They loaded up their gear and Mashi and set off. We were definitely nervous. We had just spent, you know, months and months preparing for this. And on the way, we were like, it's not too late. We can turn back. <laughs> the summer that we hiked the Long Trail was, I believe the rainiest summer on record. The three weeks before we started, it had rained every single day. What that meant was that the first few days, we were just trudging through calf-deep mud. And that, that was challenging. We passed a hiker one of the first few days, and he was like, I've got a joke. What's the longest river in Vermont? The long trail. It's a muddy, muddy trail. All that mud made setting up their tents difficult. Definitely took a little bit longer to kind of figure out where everything goes. What do we do with all of our wet stuff? We like put a line out to like hang it to dry, which was silly because everything was wet. <laughs> And then we woke up the next morning and went to put on our shoes. And there were like families of slugs that had come into our shoes. They were like covered in slugs. <laughs> it was definitely one of those, uh, here we are. The trail has begun. <laughs> My youngest son, Asha, the first day, every time he found a red maple leaf, he'd be like, look, we're getting closer to Canada. Lucas, he would look at the map and think, there's no way we're going to get to the end. We barely moved a millimeter on this map. How are we going to ever get to like the other side of the map, let alone the finish? As time went on, I got a little bit injured. I had blisters. Our bodies hurt so much. So there was a dip in energies. Allison and Marco knew they needed to find a way to boost morale. Our biggest worry was that Asha was not going to be able to keep up. He was a small person and young. And the first few days, he really was trailing. And I would stay back with him. 
And then at some point, Marco was walking with him and he started being the commentator for a, a car race. And at the time, Asha was really into cars. And he was narrating it. Asha being a car and Mashi, our dog, being another car. He ran miles down the trail without any question. It became a game for him. And once it was a game, the hiking part became really easy. The speed was not an issue. And I was the one who ended up trailing and people would wait for me. They also saw the hike as an opportunity to connect the kids to their heritage. So Marco would give them trivia about Ecuadorian culture or Latin American geography, and he'd ask a question and then they'd have to answer it. If they lagged too far behind, they wouldn't be able to hear the questions. And they were really into this game. It actually made them keep up and like just walk faster. <laughs> and then singing songs. Oh my gosh, we sang so many songs. The kids especially. They would just sing and sing and sing. I mean, we sang so much. And that kept them going. As the days went by, the family got stronger. They regained their energy and hiked a bit further every day. We could see that we've gotten to the other side of the map. And, oh, wow, we, we can do this. And we can do more than we think we can. Even Mashi the dog was enjoying it. He was such a trooper. Mashi did that. He's like, I'm going to hike almost 300 miles just because I love you. <laughs> On the 11th day, the family climbed Killington Peak. It was over 14 miles and by far their longest and most exhausting day yet. They knew it was supposed to rain later that day, and they tried to get off the mountain before it started, but they didn't make it. The sky opened and soaked them to the bone. They still had about two miles to go before reaching the nearest shelter. It was pouring we could have just taken off our raincoats because they weren't doing anything. Asha was just exhausted. I mean, we had hiked really hard, trying to hike fast to get out of the rain. It was just dark and rainy, and he slipped on a board and went waist deep into mud. We pulled him out, and he was okay. Like, physically, he was okay, but he just, mentally, he was done. He was so exhausted. He started sobbing. And we were kind of like, what do we do now? We have to keep going. We can't stop. We had to get to this shelter. He just hiked and was crying. And I felt terrible because here I am, this mom. Am I doing the right thing? Was this the right decision? Am I pushing these kids too hard and we finally got to the shelter and we were able to dry off everybody felt better except Marco he never took off his wet clothes because we were going to have to put our stuff in a bear box and we had to put all of our stinky food in the bear box and he didn't want to dry off and then get soaking wet so he actually didn't change while all of us were getting warm and dry and eating dinner. And he, I think he almost got hypothermia. 
He didn't. But the next morning, they all woke up miserable. We were like, do we want to hike two or three days more to get to the next road? Or do we backtrack, get to a town and dry off in a hotel? So we decided to do that. It was the best decision we could have done. We had kind of, in the beginning, thought, if we're going to do this, we're going to do this, and we're going to be tenting. We're not going to be, like, staying in hotels. But this was this great opportunity to kind of, like, reflect and be like, okay, but what are our needs right now? They found a hotel and ordered pizza. Everyone slept in a real bed and took hot showers. It was the perfect reset. The next day when we went back on trail, we were so motivated. We felt stronger than ever. It was really what we needed. The family kept going. It rained on and off, but the farther north they hiked, the less muddy it was. But they still had to be careful. One day, they were hiking along the ridge of a mountain when suddenly Asha slipped. He was just walking and he put his foot down and the earth crumbled under his foot. So he didn't even like step in a wrong place. It just went out under him. And he started tumbling down. It was a very steep mountain. Luckily, it wasn't boulders. It was earth and trees, but there were definitely rocks around. He's this eight-year-old with a 10 or 12-pound backpack, and he's just, (laughs) the pack is just giving him momentum, and he's literally somersaulting down this mountain. We all start screaming, like, Pasha, grab something, grab something. And he's just tumble, tumble, tumble. And luckily, he was able to grab onto a branch and he stopped 20 or 30 feet down. Marco runs down to save him, (laughs) like rescue him. He gets to him. He makes sure he's all right. I don't know how he didn't get hurt. He had like a little bit of scratches on his arm, but that's it. I mean, he could have had a concussion. It could have been a lot worse. He looks up and he smiles and he's like, I'm fine such a wave of relief and I pull out my phone to take a picture I was like oh I'm going to take a picture of this rescue effort of them coming up the mountain I dropped my phone slipped out of my hands and then it starts tumbling down the mountain (laughs) and Marco's like you're supposed to throw a rope to help us not your phone (laughs) they get up the mountain and we just start laughing and laughing I mean belly laughing for hours as we hiked down the trail. The family was grateful. It could have been a lot worse, but it's part of the deal when you head into nature. You can prepare as much as possible, but things still go wrong. So they did the only thing they could. They kept hiking. Eventually, they came to Mansfield. It's Vermont's highest mountain and the most difficult part of the long trail. Mansfield's ridgeline kind of resembles a head, and there are a few trails that lead up to its various facial features. Hikers have lovingly dubbed them the forehead, nose, chin, and Adam's apple. Just like with any mountain, you shouldn't climb it if it's raining. 
The family really wanted to summit the forehead, but it had poured all night. And so we woke up, we waited for the rain to stop, but the rocks were still slick and wet and it was foggy and windy. We hiked up and we got to the part in the trail where we had to choose whether we wanted to go up the forehead or go to the the other route. And we kind of had this family huddle where we had to decide. And as parents, it was pretty nerve wracking. Do we play it totally safe or do we go up the forehead? We all kind of wanted to do the forehead. We had been looking forward to the challenge of it and the excitement of it. So we had this group huddle and we said, okay, we're going to do the forehead. We are going to be so safe. Every single step that we take, we're going to be mindful of it. This is the part where we couldn't get distracted. We couldn't start talking. There's basically like boulders, huge boulders and like kind of narrow trail on the boulders. And you had to kind of jump across certain areas. It wasn't just a trail. We couldn't actually see what was down below because it was so foggy. But we all worked together. There were parts where we had to take our packs off and kind of pass them across these little parts that we had to jump across. We had to work with our dog. There were ladders that we had to carry him up. We were on high alert, tense, and doing this. And then when we got up to the top, we felt so amazing. It was the most exhilarating feeling. And Lucas had been looking forward to being on the highest point in Vermont for a long time. He was like, I'm gonna be the highest person in Vermont. We have a picture of Mashi, who's like the highest pup in Vermont in that one moment. And it really just shifted our view of what we believed we were capable of. That feeling followed them as they neared the end of their journey. There got to be this point where we would camp at places and we were able to see where we had been. Wow, we walked from that distant mountain to here to be able to visually see how far we had come and what our bodies had done and where our bodies had taken us. This is actually happening. Towards the end, there was such a mix of so many emotions. Part of us were ready to be done and sleep in our bed, and part of us was so sad to to be done, like this had become our life. And then, just like that, they only had a few miles left to go. They started passing people heading south who were just starting their journey, and it felt surreal. That had been them 30 days ago, and now they felt like different people. When we first started, we didn't really know if we were going to be able to finish. And here we are on our last day, 
so close to the end. They were so excited, they jogged the last mile, singing and shouting all the way. There's a monument that marks the end of the trail and the U.S.-Canadian border. The family could hardly believe they had made it and their journey was over. They all decided to reach out and touch the monument at the same time, but Lucas got excited. Lucas flipped and he like fell into Canada. It was hilarious. I mean, the whole thing was like ridiculous, but we were just so giddy and excited and just an overwhelming feeling to have accomplished this incredible goal that we had set out to do. After celebrating, they made their way to the nearest town and holed up in a hotel. Two days later, they were back in Brattleboro. It was strange to be home, and everyone had a different reaction. Marco actually had to go back to work the day after he got back, which I think was really challenging for him. He didn't really have enough time to process the, the whole experience. Not long after... The kids went back to school, and Allison resumed her work as a jeweler. Everything felt normal again, which was tough for Allison. She missed the trail. I just want to keep walking. I want to keep through hiking. And it was a really hard time for me because our lives couldn't really make that happen. Making jewelry is Allison's passion and creative outlet. It's also her job. I had hoped to come back and be all, you know, inspired and motivated. And I felt like I didn't even want to step foot in my studio. And it took a number of months to really try to figure out what is it that I want in my life. And just giving myself space to be with the questioning. That actually was incredibly helpful. It actually helped bring in this new kind of wave of inspiration and motivation to keep making jewelry, which um, which saved me. Life has pretty much gone back to normal. Lucas starts high school next year, and Asha is in fourth grade. Weekends are filled with soccer, and it's becoming harder to find time to hike as a family. Allison says they don't have any more through hikes planned right now, but she's hoping someday they will. I really miss our time there, and it was such a formative experience for all of us. One of the most important hardest and best experiences for us. It's so good to talk about it. Our storyteller today was Allison Korn. To see pictures from this episode, head to humannaturepodcast.org and follow us on social media.
We're Human Nature Podcast on Instagram and Facebook. On Twitter, we're Human Nature Pod. If you have a story you'd like featured on an upcoming season of Human Nature, let us know. We'd love to hear from you. You can message us on social media or through our website. I'm Megan Fury. This episode was produced by me with help from Greg Ronco, Ivy Engel, and Stephen Carroll. Our theme song is by Kata Ghost. Human Nature is a production of Wyoming Public Media.